the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our three. We do so with Brandon Weicker. Brandon J. Weicker is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, are in the pipeline. He has a really important piece over at uh, American Greatness on uh, President uh, Biden's uh, meeting with uh, Xi, uh, Chinese uh, Jinping Xi. I guess I have the name wrong. Sorry. <laughs> uh, how do you say it? Xi Jinping? How do you say it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, right. I reversed it. Xi Jinping. We all, we I guess we just go with the easiest uh, initializing or the easiest uh, number of letters. In any event, important piece there. Biden licks Beijing's boots. We're going to get to that. But Brandon is also a very keen uh, observer and analyst of the domestic political scene. And I thought since that was on uh, so many people's minds today, Brandon, we might start start there with you. You had an interesting little curious tweet that uh <laughs> that I'd like to uh I'd like to plumb with you. End the yeah. primary system. End yeah. the primary system. Talk to me about that. So um you know this is a very unpopular opinion. Um nobody's gonna want to hear this. <laughs> but the this is what I do. I I mixturate on the fire hydrant. There you go. Um, <laughs> The um, the the problem right now is that we have a very strong bench of possible contenders, notably my governor, Ron DeSantis, who is the only Republican who walked away with decisive victories, the entire Florida GOP. And Florida, for all the talk about how it's a red state now, up until now, it was a purple state. I remind people this. he won by less than a point four years ago. In 2018. Yep. Right. Right. So, um, you know, we now need to realize that the reason, part of the reason the Republicans had such a poor showing, and nobody wants to hear this, is because Donald Trump has now moved from being a net positive on the ticket even though he wasn't on the ticket this time, his candidates were, and he was all over the place, and everybody knew he was sort of the guy behind, you know, the scenes that was, you know, determining who was going to run. Everybody was trying to kiss his ring, et cetera, et cetera, to get his nominee or to get his backing. Um, well, now Trump has, I think, become a kind of a, a net negative on the, the ticket, um, and a lot of his candidates did not do very well. Um, and we're going to have to figure out where we go from here, and we go from here by trying to get DeSantis on the ticket. The problem is the primary in 24, we know Trump's going to run. We know DeSantis is likely going to run, and the problem is is that the primary system, particularly on the Republican side, is so vicious and needlessly so that the best candidate, the one who is most qualified to be president to govern us, is clearly DeSantis, who has a much better governing record, in my opinion, than than Trump does. Um, He is going to get gutted uh, by Trump, and Trump is going to walk away, whether he gets the nomination or not, he's going to walk away 
um, very weakened from that fight with DeSantis, who is himself a fighter. Uh, and the, all this can be avoided if we just basically re- re- went back to the way the primaries were done before, I think, the 1960s and 70s, which was at the conventions or together the party leaders would get together and say, okay, these are the handful of candidates we think would be really good for the voters to vote on. And I realize people don't want to hear that, but DeSantis is the most qualified, as he has a proven track record. Donald Trump is president. His results were very mixed, and we can talk about old Russia Gate, and we can talk about all that stuff, and it's true, that certainly didn't help him. But the fact of the matter is, the things he could control, like personnel, he was terrible at. He handed his presidency over to Jared and Ivanka. And now there's one thing that I think Jared did very well, and that was two things. I guess you could say the USMCA trade deal and the Abraham Accords. But with the exception of that, Ivanka and Jared had no business having portfolios of this kind that they had, and they ended up dragging him down and dragging him away from what he had promised to do, and they ended up bringing in people who were not on his team anyway. DeSantis, on the other hand, has a track record of hiring the best people who actually believe in what he's doing, will execute his agenda without question, and oh, by the way, they're very loyal to him because he, unlike Trump with his people, DeSantis is loyal to his staff. And they, in turn, are loyal to him, which creates a lot of efficiency. So my point is, the primary system as we have it, I think, needs to go. We need to go back to the way it was, you know, when guys like on the Democrat side, Truman, got elected because of the primary, because of of how the party picked it. And also, guys like Eisenhower were picked this way. We've got to go back to that, I think, and nobody wants to hear that. But we can't do this anymore because we just lost. Big time. Yeah, we got a majority in the House, but it's barely. It's plus seven maybe right now. We were supposed to get plus 40, and we completely spooched the Senate. So, you know, that we need to have some radical rethinks. Brandon, um, a lot of our listeners uh, will understand this point probably at a much more uh, granular level, if, you, if you'll excuse the use of that phrase, overused phrase. Take yeah. Arizona. What I heard throughout the campaign this year was uh, why there were so many Republican inter, intra-Republican fights in primary races for Congress, right. uh, for governor, for Senate. Uh, am, I, am I missing one? No, well, Congress, Senate, and governor, they had a lot of them. The Democrats didn't. And, and well, you know, I have bewailed uh, till I'm sore in the throat how we beat each other up. First of all, we raise a lot of money to beat each other up. Republicans yep. raise a lot of Republican money to beat up Republicans and, yep. and and creating, you know, a lot of negative talking points, a lot of negative yep. media about fellow Republicans, some of whom yep. end up winning, going on to the general. Yep. And the Democrats have all their money and their candidate in order. We did not yep. see a lot of Democratic primary uh, signs because there weren't a lot. Of Democratic no. primaries. And the, I, I have been urging um, to little avail, if any, probably none. I have been urging that our party do a better job at candidate recruitment. I, I don't know if it looks like how we got Eisenhower. I don't know if it looks how they got Truman. I don't know what it looks like. But it does seem to me it would be a valuable thing for the RNC yep. at the national level and the various state GOP organizations, or at least those that don't do it, to look around their states, look around the country in the case of the national, find out who 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 who's articulate, who knows what they're talking about, who has some degree 
or level of expertise or possible experience and start and start fielding those candidates with the yep. backing of the apparatus. And is yep. it less democratic? <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe it is. But at the end of the day, it saves the republic. Well, and it saves the party as well, because let's face it, our our primary system is killing us. It is it is we it's almost like we're not the same party. And what, we're not always getting the best. Can, I don't think we hardly ever get the best candidate. Um, yeah, we got Trump in 2016. Like I said, he was great, but he declined. I mean, his his I'm sorry. And nobody wants to hear this, but we, we're going to have to do something to completely reorient the way the party picks its leaders, because there's no reason other than stupidity on our end that we did not win the way we were supposed to with an economy this bad. You know, you know, Seth, when I was talking to my wife about this, you know, when historians 100 years from now go back to write the history of this time period, on paper, Biden is going to look like a friggin' genius because he was able to push legislation through. He was able to survive what normally most presidents would never be able to survive. And he's probably, if the, if the primary goes as it's going to go, I think, in 24, he's probably going to skate into a second term. And, uh, you know, on paper, he's going to look like a genius. Of course, he's not. He's the most compromised guy we've ever had. But the, 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 the bottom line is the Republicans are great at forming circular firing squads, and that's largely because of the primary system. And I see no upside anymore to doing it the way we've done it. Does that mean that we're going to get the most popular candidate in terms of a populist? No. But at the same time, it's not really doing us any favors. But it's it could it could mean that it could mean a popular candidate. It could. I mean, absolutely. you know, I have. Uh, you know, people are going to have problems with what I'm saying on that side. Oh sure, oh sure. But it could mean that. I mean, there are popular conservatives in various states. Some are columnists. Some might be doing other. I mean, they would have, they would have their thumb on the populist pulse, or the populist pulse might be coursing through their, through their veins. Um, so it's it's not necessarily. Uh, it's not. I mean, do you call Ron DeSantis a populist? I maybe. Yeah, I mean, he he fits a lot of categories. One could make the yeah, argument he he's a populist, but, and that's why he's the best one. But I, you know, Trump is not going to go away. Right, right. He's going to run, and he's going to damage DeSantis so badly that even if DeSantis gets the nomination, that DeSantis is going to be at a severe disadvantage going against uh, uh, Biden. And by the way, Trump might decide if he loses the primary. Oh, I'm going to start a third party. Yeah, hold that thought right there. Let me take this commercial break because he is giving a speech tomorrow night. It's interesting. There hasn't been a lot of social media speculation, although maybe you've heard things or see things about what he's going to say. There's two interesting things. A, the absence of speculation that I haven't been uh, I haven't been seeing. The other interesting thing is the story that's going around how. How strongly he's backing Kevin McCarthy for speaker. Let's let's pick up on that when we come right back, as we will with Brandon Weikert. You can follow him at we the Brandon on Twitter. Brandon Weikert and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Are you concerned with stock market volatility? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return? not correlated to the stock market. A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on and off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. It's a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. How high? Up to 10.25% rate of return. 
That's right, 10 and a quarter percent. YRefi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R E F Y, dot com. Or give them a call at 888 YRefi34. That's 888 YRefi34. Brandon Weikert is our guest talking about how we elect Republicans and potential leadership for a potential House uh, Republican caucus uh, that'll be in the majority come January. Brandon, yeah, speaking of Donald Trump, so he's supposed to be giving a um, a big speech tomorrow night. Uh, I have not seen a lot of speculation about it. I suppose it could be one of three things. I'd love to know if you think any of those are a fourth or fifth or sixth. One of them might be to continue to justify some of his choices and actions over the last, what, several months. One of them might be that. Uh, One of them might be to um, announce his candidacy for the presidency of 2024. One of them might be that he not uh, be doing that. Um, There's a there's maybe a fourth, which is maybe now talking about a third party. You know, he 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 flirted with the Reform Party, I think, about 20, 22 years ago. Um, Maybe that's in the picture. Maybe that's in the cards. But what do you think tomorrow night's about? Well, tomorrow night he's going to, I think, announce. Okay. And that he's running. That's what I think. That's probably the smart bet. Okay. (laughs) And um, I think that it's a mistake. And I think that he should not be doing this, but he's going to. Um, I think that it's very strange. He's blaming McConnell. And by extension, he must be blaming, even if he's not saying it, uh, he must be blaming McCarthy uh, for not adequately supporting the Republican candidates that were running that were backed by Trump. Um, Of course, if you look at the actual money that was spent on those candidates compared to what the Trump world spent it on, uh, McConnell and that team actually did spend quite a bit of money. Yeah, it's interesting. They're not firing back the way DeSantis isn't firing back, but there's a lot to fire back with if they wanted to. But the bottom line is it's very interesting that he's attacking McConnell, but he's not attacking McCarthy. He's very much on the McConnell wing of the party. Um, And I think it indicates um, just, I think deep down Trump knows he's not doing well. Okay, And, you know, all he had to do, was keep his mouth shut and show solidarity with the GOP, and he probably would have been okay. But the fact that the, the, the day that the election results came in, and DeSantis was the only one who had this incredible showing, he the first thing he thinks to do is to go on his social media site and attack DeSantis, but he follows that on with this bizarre anti-Asian joke about Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia, who's another... Very successful Trump type governor. Why would you do this? Why are you attacking our, our own side? People who are very much of your, you know, thought process on politics. Uh, the, you know, DeSantis and uh, Youngkin are not McConnell type Republicans. No, I agree with that. They're Trump type. Right. So right. why is it because he is threatened personally and he wants to try to goad his people, his supporters? into turning on these two guys who, let's face it, a lot of his supporters love these guys. Mm -hmm. And it's just really silly and kind of, frankly, pathetic. I agree with all that, and I'll even go one further, that the week before he started, you know, 
uh, blasting DeSantis after his victory. The week before DeSantis's victory, he was calling him Ron DeSanctimonious when yep. Ron DeSantis was in an election campaign for his own. Yep. You know, you yep. know it's just it's hard yep. to it's almost hard like to wrap your to mind around. Yeah. It's almost like he was trying to depress the, the, the turnout for DeSantis without actually coming out and saying that. Yeah, um, there's just a, yeah. You know, there's a lot. The Donald Trump of 2024 is not the Donald Trump of 2016. And, and um, I'm uh, not going to pretend like he's the same man. And I understand he's been through a lot. And I, I don't think he was treated fairly as president. I don't think most Republicans are treated fairly as president. But at some point, you've got to be strategic. And you can't start blowing up your own side yeah. just because you feel a little threatened. Um, you know, it's just that this is not a good thing and it's not going to it's not going to lead us to victory in 24. We will lose to Joe Biden and people. You know, I warned about this in 2019. I wrote an article called The Battle of the Blowhards in which mm-hmm. I said mm-hmm. Trump and, and Biden were going to go at it and it was going to be the, the most ridiculous thing. And Biden might win. I said this in 2019 and everybody on the right lambasted me and told me I wasn't a team player and la 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 la. And I ended up being right. And uh, I'm saying right now, at this rate, if it goes on like I think it's going to go down, we're going to lose 24, just like we just lost 22, just like we lost 20. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump deserves to be remembered for his best things and not what may potentially be his last things. And he's making that difficult for a lot of people. Yes, he is. It would be hard to find stronger supporters of his. Uh, up yep. until about a year ago than you or I. But I know a lot yep. of people like us. I know an awful yep. lot of people like us, and they're saying... I don't hate the man. No, we I, don't hate him, but it's just, awfully confusing and awfully concerned. hard to justify. It, yes, when he does stuff like this, it's very hard to get behind him. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah, it yeah. It, it really... It, it, he makes it difficult, which is the problem with Donald Trump generally, which is, you yep. know, we're willing... We're willing to be exhausted in defending his record. It would just be nice if he would defend yes. some of his allies from time to time, That's too, right. because yeah, that would make right. everything easier for the Republican Party. And yep. and anyway, I mean, look, there's a few others out there, too, that 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 show a lot of promise to help yep. shape that next wave of the party. Uh, don't ignore Christy Noem. She did an amazing job in South Dakota. I know we don't think of it much anymore, but she did it. She she may have had the most libertarian COVID record of any state. First of all, uh, yeah, she yeah. she did the CRT stuff. She did the transgender stuff. She won by thirty points. Yeah, um, Yunkin, you're absolutely right. The weird thing about Yunkin is, and I've observed this for the past ninety days or so. He is as conservative as a conservative would want. You just wouldn't know it by looking at him. But yeah, when he talks, he has time. a nice yeah. touch to it. It's um, yeah. it's a hardcore conservatism that comes off with a soft glove. And, and the, the, you know, there's a lot in our future here. There's a lot in our future. We haven't even begun to talk about some of the candidates in the Senate. But it does beg a question about Mitch McConnell, whether we like him or not. Who would be the successor for? Can I pick up on that when we come back? Yeah. If Mitch McConnell is not to be our Senate Majority Leader, who might some of those better candidates be uh, by your lights? I'm Seth Leaps and he's Brandon Weikert. We'll pick up on that when we come right back.
to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. You can follow him at We the Brandon. We'll get to his big foreign policy piece on uh, American greatness in a moment. Uh, I guess the speculation for alternative leadership in the House right now, uh, there's a lot of talk about Andy Biggs, Brandon. Uh, yeah. If if Kevin isn't the guy, if Kevin McCarthy isn't the guy, there's some talk of Andy Biggs, uh, maybe one or two others. But what is the Senate if it's not McConnell? If it's not McConnell, what does the Senate leadership who who are who are who are people like us looking at? Uh, well, it's going to be McConnell. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think the Senate. The Senate is structured in such a way where. I'm be, if I were Kevin McCarthy, I'd be more worried that I'm not going to get okay. the okay. nod. Then now here's the thing: there's a rumor going around that they're going to try to that Matt Gates's plan of trying to get nominate because you know it doesn't have to be a member of Congress. That Matt Gates's little plan of trying to get Trump to be speaker, the speaker of, of the House, House yeah. is something they're seriously entertaining. Yeah, and um, let me just say that would be <laughs> a nightmare. Um, it is one of the most detail-oriented jobs in Washington, and Trump, with all due respect, is not a detailed guy. And if he were to be made, which is you know very unlikely still, but it is something they're seriously talking about in certain quarters, um, it would be very damaging to the party and to the country, I think. He is not a good fit for that role. What we need, um, and I don't think McCarthy would be that great either, um, you know, I don't know who we could get, Jim Jordan, but Jim Jordan won't get the won't get the. He says he doesn't want it. Yeah, he's resolute yeah. on that. Yeah, but people like of that nature would be better okay. ideologically, I think. Okay. Um, but it, if I were McCarthy, though, in general, because of how narrow my majority is, I would be very not convinced that I'm automatically going to be the guy. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's going to need to start really yeah. making appeals to people he doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. people he doesn't like. Yeah, I think, and, I think you're right about you that. Know, yeah. So I, I just think, I, I really think that McCarthy, not McConnell, has to worry more um, in terms of the, the shoe-in of being the next leader. You know, you said something in your domestic al- analysis that goes to your uh, your piece at American Greatness, Biden licks Beijing's boots. <laughs> it's an odd thing that... Um, that that we're at this point where Biden probably does think he licked the Republicans. Biden probably thinks yeah. uh, he he has been a genius president. I, you write something to that effect in your piece. Uh, yeah. and, and it's and it's a very dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing that the Republicans let him off the hook like this. And yep. it's a dangerous thing that he thinks that this was a referendum on him. Um, yep. Take it from there. Yeah, so basically it's what I was kind of getting at with um, my initial comments in the first segment, which is that uh, on paper, historians are going to say Biden was the greatest, most effective president of the 21st century. And I think that Biden believes this about himself, if he's aware at all, um, that, you know, wow, I've really I've really shown them. Look at what I've been able to do. Look at look at all this stuff that I've, I've been I'm passing legislation still. And I'm you know, I may not be very popular, but I still have a little bit of popularity. And look, there's nobody on my side who's really going to seriously challenge me unless I quit. And oh, look, I just won this historic midterm. I broke history's back. Mm-hmm. He's been more effective than Barack Obama mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. And so um I think that I think that he really believes that he's just the smartest, toughest guy on the on the block. And I think that when he goes to meet G, and when he basically 
tries to do his, now look here, I think that G is just going to smile and laugh at this guy because he doesn't think Biden's smart or tough. He knows that this is all a sham and a show, and he's going to try to walk all over Biden. He'll probably be able to because let's face it, Biden isn't there on a good day mentally. No. And 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 it's interesting today, the news coming out of their meetings that Biden says there is no imminent invasion invasion of Taiwan by China. What an interesting thing to say vis-a-vis the difference between how he's talking about Taiwan and how he was talking about Russia. I, I, I would submit that he's got his focus on the wrong opponent or the wrong enemy. I have to take a quick commercial break, but yeah. I wonder if you might come back with me on that, Brandon, on that issue. Absolutely. The issue of Taiwan. Of course, it is one of the major issues. And he's not raising the coronavirus at all, just not touching it. Uh, I am Seth Leibson. He is Brandon Weikert. He and I will both be right back. You like that, Brandon? <laughs> Welcome back. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. I'm uh, I'm teasing him over uh, music uh, from the Big Lebowski soundtrack. Um, Brandon Weikert, uh, so Joe Biden in Bali says that there is no imminent threat from China on Taiwan. Uh, you would say what to that? I would say that his own DOD is now saying that there is a high likelihood that Taiwan may be attacked by China uh, within the year. This was a report that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, So this is a guy who's not even paying attention to his own defense department. Um, And um, he's going to, you know, he's saying this because he's trying to get Xi Jinping to sign a deal with him. Mm -hmm. He very badly wants to normalize again or standardize relations with China so that he can focus on Russia. This is Richard Haas's big idea. And, of course, as I note in my article, Biden began his career in the 70s as a senator and all throughout that time in the Senate and later as vice president, pushing for better relations with China. And uh, so he's sort of reverting back to norm. He's reverting back to the standard form. Uh, of being a panda hugger. Mm -hmm. When he began his presidency, he made it sound like he was going to be tougher on China. In fact, as I I noted uh, in the article, he actually carried over a lot of the hawkish policies of the Trump administration, and he did hire some some pretty known China hawks, Mm -hmm. but that apparently is for show, because the real thing is those comments about Taiwan doesn't have anything to worry about that is him signaling to Xi Jinping that I get you, I hear you, uh-huh. I don't don't worry about America under me. I'm going to be your buddy. I need your help with Russia. And of course, there's China making comments that are derisive of Russia. Of course, they're not coming out and condemning the invasion of Ukraine. But they, the last few days, their 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 representatives to the the press have been much more derisive of Russia than previously they were. And I think this is sort of the quiet jockeying going on uh, between the two sides where they're trying desperately to get this deal. Uh, Biden needs that to help with inflation. He needs China to pick up the excess demand. Um, You know, he needs these things to happen to help goose the economy going into 2024. So he already blew the strategic reserve on helping to lower those gas prices long enough to convince Americans who are on the bubble 
uh, that, hey, it's okay, stick with the Democrats, we're the more normal party. Uh, but now the, that strategy has been overplayed, and now he's going to have to do something else. So this is something he's going to do to try to ameliorate the economy, is try to get China more, again, integrated into the economic uh, relationship with America, which was starting to fray under the Trump administration. Um, and so, you know, this is all part of that quiet jockeying. And all of this, Biden thinks he's just this master. He's just, you know, he's really showing off everybody. But in reality, what he's doing is he's licking Beijing's boots. Um, he, he doesn't even realize it, but Xi knows it. Xi thinks it's funny. I'm sure behind the scenes, Xi can't believe that he's being given these, these opportunities after he just crushed his dissent at home. He's been jailing prisoners. He did this horrible genocide against the Uyghurs the last five years. He's forcefully locking down the country for COVID uh, uh, countermeasures. Uh, he crushed Hong Kong, and now he's threatening Taiwan. And rather than standing up to this man, the American president, the so-called leader of the free world, is kowtowing to him, and he's trying desperately to placate him by saying, don't worry, we don't think you're going to invade Taiwan. That kind of weakness is provocative, and it is going to ensure that the worst-case scenarios that I've been talking about and that the DOD is now talking about, China threatening to actually invade by year's end or in the next year, Taiwan, it will help to ensure that that actually becomes a reality. And that is a very dangerous place that we are in, all because we're led by an idiot who basically is trying to give away the store to save him and his party's political future in 2020. Yeah, I don't know if people realize, you know, how consequential that will be. Once upon a time, China wasn't that much to us other than land mass and opportunity. Yeah. And then in time, it became economic. Now it's landmass, economic, and military. In the 50s, we talked about who lost China. Uh, that was to Mao, of course. The question uh, you know, I don't want to have to ask is who lost Taiwan. The answer will be obvious. And I think it's the always the Democrats. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think that's right. The answer will be obvious if it does go. But it looks like we may be losing an awful lot beyond just Taiwan. I mean, I don't know what the end game is right now with Ukraine. Clearly, Joe Biden's taken his eye off that ball. Uh, you have not heard him talk about it in a very long time other than to blame it for energy costs. That's all. But if you go back to the beginning of this year, that's all Biden was talking about. He doesn't talk about it anymore. I don't know where you well, see I, well, no, Ukraine right he now. He already won. He won the midterm. And so now he doesn't have to do okay. the whole, you know, let loose the dogs of war thing because he thinks he's OK. And let's face it. Um, I don't think fundamentally that Biden really thought the Ukrainians would put up the kind of resistance that they did. Mm -hmm. I think his his belief was that this would be, in fact, a quick, sharp war. The Ukrainians might put up a little fight in the beginning, but ultimately they would have to negotiate. And he was kind of stuck by his own rhetoric in a corner uh, because it turns out the Ukrainians really do like being free. And they really were able to use the equipment we gave them to great advantage mm -hmm. over the Russians, so much so that the Russians are losing Kherson. Mm -hmm. This is probably the biggest defeat in Russian military wow. history, probably since Afghanistan. And um, you're right, we don't hear the American president saying word one about it, not word one. And, um, you know, it's... it's um, it's very strange, but I think that he's really been cornered by his own rhetoric because I don't think ultimately he really wanted to be in a position 
where we're risking World War III over what he thinks is an ancillary issue, like Ukraine. I think he wanted to put on a show. I think he wanted to show that he's tough and, oh, America's standing by its allies no matter what. But ultimately, I think he assumed and his team that, yeah, Russia was going to pounce all over them. But Russia, turns out, could not, did not. And now we're in this really bad position where we've blown through strategic reserves. Oil is really expensive. Uh, you know, it's becoming very difficult to reliably obtain. Uh, and I think that Putin's next strategy before he maybe risks nuclear war is he's basically going to try to cut the remainder of the energy supplies off from the West and then also try to freeze Europe out so that over the next six months, four months, um, the Europeans lose their solidarity with the Americans and Ukraine is forced to negotiate no matter what. Yeah, this is this is what Biden is presiding over more and more reliance on other countries. I mean, if 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 Donald Trump was right about American greatness and he was, um, you know, this 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 foreign and international policy of the Biden administration is making America more and more reliant on others, other countries greatness. And, and we're paying we're paying them to do it. All right, Brandon. Good stuff. Great stuff, as always. I thank you so much. I love our thank Mondays you, together. Thank you. Godspeed. Brandon J. Weikert can be followed at We the Brandon on Twitter. He is the publisher of The Weikert Report, theweikertreport.com. And I will be back with a few closing thoughts. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Thanks for spending uh, some of your time with us uh, today. Uh, just following up on on that conversation with Brandon and thinking about some of what was said there, particularly regarding China and Russia, there is a, a third country that used to be much more in the news and seems to be a lot less so than it has been, and that's Iran. Uh, I invite you all to take a look at what is happening in Iran. It is cracking down. Uh, even further and stronger, particularly against uh, against not just the protesters, but uh, women, females. Uh, the the notion I was raising of who lost China going back all the way to not even the 50s, really 1949, I suppose. It implies that the United States uh, has the power to decide what countries are going to invade what countries, what movements are going to uh, rise up and be put down. And there's no question that the notion of American interference in countries abroad is far more distasteful now than it was in the past. And the notion that uh, that we get involved in, in dictating how other countries run themselves um, with our boots on the ground and our blood on their soil is uh, is is a lot less a lot less supported than it ever once was, than it ever was, uh, particularly after Iraq and Afghanistan. But there is something to be said about a powerful United States and a powerful president of the United States. Uh, I think whatever one says or takes away negatively about Donald Trump, there is but no question that Ukraine not only wasn't invaded, but would not have been invaded. When you have a strong America, you have a better world. It's simply still just that true. Um, The American Democratic Party, small d, the American Party of the Democrats, you know, they may not believe in American exceptionalism, but the rest of the world still understands America to stand for something and to mean something, specifically and especially the immiserated in other parts of the world. 
if we surrender that, that will be the most ignominious thing we do. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson. Classes dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.